Today at the SCGI Directors in Dialogue, director John Carney has an informal conversation with fellow directors about the highs and lows of filmmaking in Ireland. I've realised over the last while, as a, as a film director, is sort of how little you actually need in a film to, to have a hit or to connect with people. You actually don't need that much. Um, and as long as you start off low, you know, that you start off... There's a tendency in a lot of filmmakers to sort of come up with a great opening scene that sort of is visual or... Um, and actually that's a bit of a misleading... Uh, I mean, it gets audiences hooked in, but then they sort of expect more because they've had this. I think what you want at the beginning of a film, if you that they do this thing where they start off quite low to the ground, so that anything that you get then is <coughs> twice has twice the resonance or meaning, and that that scene is a, sort of a good example in a way that there is no actual big crash or explosion, nothing really particularly. I mean, if you were like, if you were a gangster on the street, that that wouldn't be the best story that you tell. Is me and your man going to chase off a guy and we had to go into the water? What happened? Nothing, really. <laughs> you know, if there was a Hollywood movie, you'd be like, then the then the car blew up and then the guys came down and then they, you know, really, what they they've set the sort of it's not that they've set the bar so low, really. That's not fair. But they've they've sort of begun so honestly and in earnest and and so frankly that that anything that you get and that's a bit like life as well. Because let's face it, most life. Most of our lives is pretty boring and pretty straightforward, but yet we as human beings feel so much and we're so sensitive to things, to tiny things, um, that a film should, for me anyway, you know, what's really interesting about DV and being able to all go out and make our own films and not have to answer to anybody or raise millions of dollars the way you used to have to, is that we can sort of tap into that sensitivity of who we are as people and tell those stories really honestly and connect with wide... Because everybody in every cinema in the world is looking to be moved and to be connected with with other human beings. That's what you're going to the cinema for. And I don't buy for a second this thing about they're going to hear a big story or it's story, 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 or script, script, script. It's such bullshit. And every Hollywood director tells you and producer is all about script, script, script. And if you don't tell a good story, you're screwed. I can think of countless films in which there's no story. <coughs> And I'm, like, we won't go through them now because we don't have time, but if you, like, just think about it, actually, there's so many... Films to me are an experience. They're a moment, they're like a roller coaster ride. Literally, I don't mean that bad. They are like an experience. Plenty of films have nothing to them in terms of script. Or if you take, for example, Lost in Translation, because I've actually been writing a script at the moment for an American producer, and I've likened it to Lost in Translation as I've been writing. I've sort of, you know, in my email, sort of, that's the sort of world I want to get into. And I realized as I was finishing the script, actually there's much more in my script than there was in Lost in Translation. There's, there's like five characters. It is about a girl in a new city who sort of strikes up a relationship with a guy, but actually then they break up and they get back together and there's a whole sort of dynamic, there's a plot, there's a story. But in Lost in Translation, actually there's not, I mean, can anybody tell me what happens in Lost in Translation? The script was only like 35 pages long, apparently. The script was 35 pages long, less even. And the story is what? Who's seen Lost in Translation? Okay, so what's the story of it? What's the story of Lost in Translation? Friendship. No, but actually, what, tell me the story. Well, the story is a young girl meets a, a bored newlywed. Yeah. Meets uh, an older 
guy probably old enough to your grandfather as well. Yeah. And become good friends. In a hotel. In a hotel. Right. Japan, yeah. Now, if I'm a Hollywood producer, <laughs> I just go next. What? what? <clears throat> I don't care who's in it. Bill Murray. Yeah, quick one. Did you see a film called Lourdes? Did anybody see that film? It was no, the I but that was a perfect example of just... Yeah, it's amazing. It was a very, just literally, again, a postage stamp story. Mm. Just a little moment and everything else was just yeah. routine. Yeah. It, it's totally... It depends on how you open the film. If you open the film with an explosion, people expect more explosions and bigger ones. If you open it with a kiss, they expect more sex. If you open it with a naked woman, they expect loads of naked women. If you open it with a girl getting off a plane in Tokyo with her boyfriend and doing nothing but just listening to a piece of music and going across town in a car or a bus, then, you, then you're in and you, you, anything that you get is a bonus in a way. And that sounds like a detractor, but I don't mean it in that way. But there you go. It's sort of like, it's the doing of that film. And then Lost in Translation by no way is not my favorite film in the world, but it's certainly a film that I'll probably watch once every sort of four or five years of my life. I'll definitely show it to some, you know, you know, if I want to reference and they'll stick it on. It's very harmless, very sweet. He's funny and it. there's some great opening scenes <coughs> with the Japanese director. It's sort of very sweet and has a nice, sweet ending. But it's, it has its place in the history of cinema, doesn't it? And it won an Oscar and it made her famous. But if she, wa- if she didn't have the balls to make it, and stand by it and say, no, 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 this is going to be interesting. I guarantee you people will feel for this character and her relationship with this grandfather-like character. I guarantee you. They'll wonder what he said to her at the end. They'll stick with the journey. I promise you. And they'll rent the movie and they'll go and see it and they'll rent it on DVD and they'll tell all their friends we'll make loads of money. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a director having the courage of her convictions and knowing that, that you don't need that much. It's all about you as a person being, being related to and connected to on the screen. Um, I mean, I don't know, that's, that's, that's a bit my little piece of advice for any sort of anybody embarking on a, on, a, on a project or on a film, is to sort of start off low, let the audience know that they're in capable hands by whatever you do, whatever that moment at the beginning that they go, okay. You know, it's like being in a plane when the pilot says it's going to be turbulent or we're on for a cam one tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Me, I'm a nervous flyer, so when the pilot gets on and says, looks like we have a pretty cam journey right there across the room, I go, ah, thank you. And if he goes, it's going to be a terrible one. I go, shit, and I'm angry, and I'm resentful. And I'm, and the first two minutes of a film, all good films have something in the opening that you go, this guy knows what he's doing. I'm in good hands. I don't have to even love that actress or that character or this, but I, I just know I'm going to get... I'm with a professional here, and I'm with somebody who sort of you know knows their art and knows their art form. Well, what you're saying is very encouraging, I think, and inspiring for directors, because a lot of them feel they have to have the script you know, yeah. perfect, or they have to have a really good writer, and a lot of directors spend a long time waiting for, mm. well Irish directors spend a long time waiting for Irish writers to, to sort of come up with, with yeah. really good scripts, which is hard. Mm. Yeah, totally know? hard. I think it depends on what kind of movie you want to make, mm. and what kind of genre you want to make, and I mean there's um, mm-hmm. this type of movie, it's kind of very notorious, kind of very, you know, where you feel your life, where you experience friends, tiny things. But some people would like to go <coughs> on a high level and construct, you know, like an action sure. movie. The, uh, yeah. Then you need a script. Not my case, really, but if someone really believes in horror movies, they have to have a script and they have to wrap it up and they have to have, you know, their moments because they what about know. The Blair Witch Project? Hmm? What about the Blair Witch Project? Well, I, don't know, I didn't really like that, that one. Oh, what was the last one? The last one um, Paranormal Activity. Paranormal Activity. I think that was a good idea. For fifteen thousand, uh, they did with nothing, you know. I think it's a pretty better. good idea as well. Made two hundred and fifty million. Yeah. <laughs> pretty good. Jay Leno said when it said cost sixty grand, he said where did they spend the money? 
But the thing is that uh, the only thing though I would have thought that to make a film with a very simple story like that is and to make it incre incredibly engaging. I mean that is a very hard thing to do though as well. You know, like you're, I would agree, like you say, you don't necessarily, but you know, that's the ge the genius of the brilliance there because I'm sure there's a lot of films out there that have a very simple story that just don't or work. Shit. Don't yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know. No, no. All, all I'm saying, really, I'm not saying you must have a, yeah. a simple script yeah. and no story. I'm saying that some of the best films in the world, yeah. actually, when you break them down, like Le Catcher Sans Coup, the Truffaut film, yeah. there's no story, I can't tell you. Like, if I'm trying to tell somebody, there's actually, no, I can't really, it's a better boy playing truant yeah. and a magical well, day in Paris. Cycle, the story in Cycle is a minimal too. Pretty much, but, but you know, that's exactly the case. And, and I think Birch made a very good point. All these freaking write, writers and directors in Ireland breaking their bollocks is trying to write the perfect script for three years. What is the point? Go and make your film. That's what people are going to respond to. Not a script. A script? <coughs> what is a script after all? Like a script <coughs> is a... Just get money. But it's not even that. All a script is is a glorified... Um, it's for the fun. Paul sheet. You write for the readers. You, you, so you, need to, you need to get money. Like even, you know yourself, you need to get 130 grand to make a tiny film. So you do need to write a, something that you need to show that you know what you're doing. Yeah. That's all you need to show. You don't need to show them... Uh, you need to be a confident person that walks in and you, you can explain to them how you see it. Oh, sorry about that. You know, it's not, it's not about the... Uh, <laughs> it's the Dardenne Brothers. Um, <laughs> I right now until I can turn it off. Um, it's about being convincing and being confident and having people go, okay, I saw... I, I, I saw what... I guarantee you, if, if, like... I never got anything made on, on the basis of a script, ever. I was never, I'm not able to write a, 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 a funky script that people go, wow, in the way that like Tarantino scripts are supposed to be amazing and absolutely like, God, you know, that there's these. But Bachelor's Walk could do with that. But Bachelor's Walk, the scripts were good in Bachelor's Walk and we worked hard on them, but actually we made a pilot of that show before we ever scripted it. So we wrote a half an hour pilot and we went and we shot it. And all that, that handheld stuff that you see in that show, that was sort of radical at the time. It seems like nothing. Mm. But to make a TV show that was set in a real house, following actors around with a handheld camera, that was a big deal. And they needed that spelled out to them. So we went off and we shot a pilot episode on a house in Bachelor's Walk. And when they saw that, that was sort of the thing that made them sort of jump up a little bit. There was no way that we could have got that show financed. Who we were at the time with, a, with a, an outline and a script... I don't think. I think they have to sort of say, okay, that's the sort of world that they're... That's interesting. And it sort of teed into a few English shows that had a similar sort of vibe to them. And, and um, once? Once? Yeah, what was the script like? I mean, the script was about 70 pages long uh, with, with passages of description for each of the songs or what was happening in the scenes of the song. But, you know, I, I don't think anybody looked at the script and went, this is brilliant at all like you wouldn't it wasn't a, it wasn't it was it's how you do it it's it's sort of how you no more than i think the last in translation i think if anybody read this it'd be like it's fine you can you can write but like i need to be told how you see this or i need to be sold on this or how it you know how it works but i'm very anti-script I, I like a good sort of tight story in depending on what type of film you're making if you're making a horror film or you but i like i like the fact that and I was brought up on films that scripts were torn up and changed every day. And you could tell from Scorsese films, that's not a script there. That's made up. I, you know, it's sort of like, you know, 
pool hall sequence of minces where they beat the shit out of each other, you can tell that that's just one line. They fight in the pool room. But it's all about how Scorsese did it and the acting and the camera placement and the... So to me, to me honestly, a script is really... Don't, don't, as directors, and I don't know how many, how many are writer-directors here or consider themselves... Yeah, everybody, basically, kind of, sort of. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. I don't, what advice I have for you is in that department, really. I think basically have something to say. Have something you're passionate about to say. And I think that gets it yeah. more than anything else. That, yeah, maybe. You know, really, it's really the passion. Well, I think it's an interesting, like the industry is interesting because, say, in Europe, you if you're making something that's two, three million or some kind of thing, you know, something around that, you have to get your bits from everywhere and stuff. So you have to write a script and you have to send it out. Yeah, like course. you won't be able to burst into like the twelve different agencies that all the money's going to be coming from. So there is a problem there that you're writing for these people that are like that will never meet you, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So I guess there is a whole idea of like the production package and sending yeah, of course. information and stuff like that. But they're going to want to meet you anyway before they give you money. Even if they like your script, they're going to say, I want to meet the director. They're never going to green light a film. Yeah, of course, they like They're going to like to And also, if you happen to be, I, I, you can sit down and say, I'm a, movie, I'm a film director. Oh, and I'm also a really good writer. I mean, you're very lucky if you can say that. That's a rare, rare thing. Just to be able to say, right? Mm. They're two different jobs. Mm. And, and uh, do you know what makes it doubly harder, I find, is as, as primarily a director, uh, when <clears> I'm <throat> writing a script, because I'm a bit of a control freak, so I want to write everything that I do, but when I'm writing the script, I'm writing as a director. So nobody ever gets my scripts when they read them. They're like, what, what was that about? And I'm like, do you not see? Because I've visualized it in my head, but I haven't translated it into script land. Because what's the point? I'm going to be directing the film. Just give me the money. I'll do it. Like, yeah, I promise you. <laughs> so I just get into trouble with that. And I realize I have to take off my director's hat when I'm writing. Put it away. Just write the script. And it's the most frustrating thing. Because I'm writing the script for me. I'll get the actors. They all fucking love me anyway, apparently. They're t- totally into making films with me. Why do I have to go through these hoops? Loops? Hoops? Hoops. To, to get to this place that I'm already there in my head. So it takes a real skill to be able to take off your director's hat and write the film script and close down you know what you're visualizing in your head put it away and write the script that a producer is going to say yeah i love this guy let's give him five million quid to make his film so so you're sort of for me a director saying i want to be a writer director and i want to get three million for my first film and i want to raise it here (laughs) it's a tall order to get all that stuff together it's tall order for anybody and every big shot movie director that I meet, believe me, and I've sort of met them all in the last year, they're all struggling to make films at their level. So the Alan Parkers and the Ridley Scott, all those guys are getting films pulled out from underneath them that they've worked on for five years. And they're going, no, we're not going to make it with them. And they're as depressed as we all are here in this room, really, at, just at a different level. It's like, you know, Sting has just a bunch of different worries than we do. Like who took his six million quid out of his bank account and stuff. And that we still worry going to bed, I'm sure. So, it's, so, so, so to me the best thing you can do as a filmmaker in Ireland and really certainly now is to go and just make a film on your own terms shoot the thing I mean nobody has a right to complain when I started off it was high 8 and a DAP machine and I had a right to complain and to try and raise money because if you shot something on high 8 and you blew it up to a screen that size it looked like shit it fell apart you edited it and it, the grain was appalling you couldn't make a shot look good no matter how you, it just looked like rubbish and myself and Tom, we used to struggle every day just trying to make it look at least barely accepted. It always looked like RTE. 
and we'd be off thinking we were friends about Truffaut or Quentin Tarantino and then we'd watch the Russian and it was like it was like an episode of it was like Marty and, you know it was like really bad RTE but now we have these cameras at our disposal and these formats at our disposal for nothing we have amazing ways of recording incredible quality sound we have unbelievable like for a few grand you can buy the new Canon DV5 camera and go and shoot your film it looks incredible and edit it on your Mac and if you can't finish it edit a promo on your Mac and then try and raise the money make your films don't be spending for me anyway a very small selection of people will actually get that thing right where they write their script raise three million or one and a half million and go off and make a brilliant first film that's rare what's what's what the, the, the bigger chances I think of success are sort of DIY Put yourself into your film, put it up there on screen. If you get seen at a festival, somebody will get interested. You'll build up a momentum. And you're and also when you make a film on your own steam, you sort of have nobody else to blame but yourself. You're exposing yourself. You can't say, oh well I didn't have the three million that I wanted right. You're you're putting yourself out there. So, you know, um so is, this is, is there something in between to say, you know, you could just make a film with a few producers, people interested in the script and instead of three million they can raise half a million or you know, film or in there and have production and instead of giving you three million, mm -hmm. give you half a million, make yeah. a decent film. Sure. Half a million you can do. Half a million though to me is a is a is a middle area though. It's neither here nor there. <coughs> to me, like between <coughs> half a million and a million is sort of like that's a netherland. I'd rather make a film for nothing, for like a hundred grand mm. and just have just be able to buy everybody lunch for the two weeks that you're shooting it and sort of pay your bus fare or I'd rather have a proper budget which in Irish terms is sort of you know two or three four million well you know like a Neil like a Jim Sherrod like like the way they made my left foot or you know a proper budget to sort of get you know shoot on film and I, I, that middle area right there like yeah, five hundred thousand two million nowadays with um, you know the red the red camera and all that you know you save a lot of money and but you only so if you're going to shoot a film I think in those ways, I wouldn't shoot on the red camera, because the, the red isn't that, it's not enough of a come down from price-wise, from 16 mil or 35, it's not enough of a step, it's sort of <coughs> not, you don't have the beauty of 35, of film, but you don't have the ease of shooting on the DB or the Sony X1 or whatever, or Z1, which is so easy to shoot on. Yeah. You, the, the red is a big bulky thing, yeah, with a lot, you know, and it's... What you shoot Zonad on used to? Zonad, we shot on a sort of like a... Panasonic with a with the spinner and a bunch of prime lenses. That was sort of, but Zonin is the case in point. That's the middle ground that I don't like making a film at. Could I just say very quickly, yeah. as a middle what ground. Was the oh, a million, like a nine hundred grand or something like that. Film just in extra vision, but it's a very simple story and it's four people in a room and I think it won the Italian Film Festival or the biggest Italian ones. It's a Venice, whatever it is. It's called Mid August Lunch. It's, oh, yeah, it's actually oh, yeah. made by the producer of Gomorra. Gamora. Yeah, Gamora. Yeah, he made it, and he, I think he had his mother. Most of the actors in it are eighty plus. Just four old women having lunch. Mm, Actually, great. beautiful film. You've seen it. Yeah, yeah. But it's just to say, if anybody wants to see, it's a bit of inspiration. It, it, what, even costing half a minute. I've got about. I've seen, I've seen the movie. Have you seen it? The problem is, I saw it dubbed in Spanish. Right. And oh, I didn't like it. Then my girlfriend went to see it here in original with English subtitles. She loved it. So probably that was yeah. one of the problems. But uh, yeah, it's you know. I shot a film on a PD100 and blew it up to 35 and Warner Brothers took it out in the States. Oh, yeah. So, you know, 
PD100 was as soon as mm. it came out, it said, let's go. Just what you're saying. Mm. You know, what was the film called? Fox. Oh, yeah. We don't need permission anymore. We should just go make movies. You know? Totally. Absolutely. They're the ones. Believe me. That's, and I've spent the last two years back and forth to that godforsaken L.A. place. They are the ones, the studio execs, the people that we 15 years ago would have been in awe. They're the ones scratching their heads, going, what is going on? What's next? And we're the ones to tell them what's next, right? Not their market researchers. We're the ones. We're, in the, we're the guys. Like. So and they are, believe me, they're panicking. Their, their business is belly up. They're losing incredible amounts of money. They don't know how to relate to the whole plasma screen thing with people watching films. So they're the ones going, give me the paranormal activity. Yeah, that, that worked. I think that's a problem with communication as well because they are, as you say, panicking, mm. waiting for ideas, but they, they never accept unsolicited material. You have to know somebody, you have to know somebody. You don't it's need to know anybody. Video. You don't need to know a soul. They are looking for you. To, to make them a film which they go, I can make money from this film. If, if we're talking in cynical sort of Hollywood terms, and these guys are totally different. These guys have probably never been on a long haul flight to Hollywood in their lives. And you wouldn't want them to go. No more does Shane Meadows. They work in their own world and they're very true to their... But if you want to, I mean, I don't know if anybody wants to, if that's the sort of course that anybody's interested in sort of taking in life. Um, so that's a different sort of conversation in a way. And, and we're talking about more of a European model of, filmmaking or how to get your film financed or but I still think that that you know basically basically works and I think that 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 scene is the case in point in a way they get money and they raise money to make their films but because they are who they are and they're a couple of guys who probably want a certain level of ease and comfort and time to make their films that's what they want I think so they have to raise but they are who they are they're not a problem they're like kind of large guys they've earned their stripes exactly so us we're all sort of at that stage where when you could still make that scene. It wouldn't be as good, and you probably would be breaking 15 different laws and rules as you did it. But I've done scenes like that for definite. Like, and I've done scenes in once where, uh, you know, Glenn would chase your man Darren Healy down the street, and three guys would jump on Darren Healy and beat the shit out of him, because they thought it was real. And I'm, I'm just going, yeah, I'm just going to, <clears throat> into HMV for a second to sort of hide. And there would just be a piece in the paper that night saying film set becomes a big fight scene and thing who was the you know we just not tell anybody now that's a bit dodgy and you can only sort of do that once in your life but why not like it's it's sort of as long as you're not killing anybody i think we should totally hit the streets fuck the unions go out make films really i mean at the end of the day that's where the stuff is going to come from um that's my little bump yeah, if you have a certain amount of success as a tv or a filmmaker or anything like I, but you, you sort of change then as a sort of a, you, your work and your relationship with your work changes when you have a modicum of sort of, now I can do this for a living. Um, you're not struggling as much anymore, so you start to have to sort of readdress, well, why did I get into this in the first place? Um, and that's where I'm at at the moment. So I'm looking for, I'm sort of going, well, what was the draw? Now that I sort of have tasted it and now that I sort of get a film made, what is the film I want to get made? It's now no longer about sort of proving myself, uh, but I still want to sort of justify myself and what I'm doing. Um, so my influences and inspirations have changed slightly now. So I'm more interested in finding out, as pretentious as it sounds, sort of who I am as a person and what I have to say or what I can contribute, as opposed to the sort of the 
you know, the, the, the guy trying to get his foot in the door and desperate to sort of, you know, and, and I sort of, th sort of think I, I did a lot of sort of impersonating films that I liked or styles of filmmaking that I liked until I stopped doing it, which was with once, where I actually said, I'm not going to impersonate anybody except myself. And I'm, uh, the reason that we're handheld is because we have 120 grand. And the reason that we're doing this, every single reason is because of the budget and because of our restrictions. And I'm going to create art out of that rather than try and fake having no money, which is a little bit what we were doing in Bachelor's Walk. Because I wanted Bachelor's Walk to appear to be like it was yourself and your mates making a film, making a TV show in your mates' house. And it sort of was, but it sort of wasn't, because we did have nice lunches and we did have loads of money. We did have loads of money. Relatively speaking, Bachelor's Walk was a piss, really cheap show. But we sort of had more money than I had had making stuff before. And I found myself sort of slightly faking it. I like um, touch wood. I don't have to have it, but I like having no money. I sort of like, I've always liked as a person sort of making, trying to make something out of nothing. Like in the way that you see a kid get down the, you know, and doing something with a bit of glue and a bit of paper. The kid will do something with that. Whereas the, you know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Like you'll see that happen all the time. Some kids get loads of amazing crayons and loads of amazing toys and wonderful stuff but they can't make shit out of it. And you get one kid on the ground with a bit of tinsel and some glue, and they'll, they'll make something beautiful out of that. Or, and for some reason, I've always been compelled with the, by the idea of making things out of nothing or going recording an album in your house on a mini-disc player or on a four-track. And I've always been a sort of a firm believer that you can cut out the middle person and do your own thing, and that's ultimately what I think people are sort of... So, so for me, it's sort of gone from... The early inspiration of like definitely like the new French New Wave, um, but now I look back at the French New Wave and like all people who loved it back then, it sort of seems slightly empty now, and it seems very fashionable and very sort of um, yeah empty. There's not a lot of substance in it. It is about looking beautiful and it is about being avant-garde and wonderful and driving Citroens and smoking Chiton and right. There's not a lot of substance in those movies. I find now, I find they're dated quite badly. I mean, there's a couple of Truffaut films that I still love, Le Catres en Coup being one of them, I think that's a gorgeous film. But it's actually gorgeous because it's his least self-conscious film. And it's, his, it's a film with his least an agenda. It's more of a genuine memory of his sort of life as a kid in Paris. And, you know. Um, so I suppose I, there, there's a certain amount of, like, looking for the truth in cinema. And, and in, in actors as well. Thank you for listening to SDGI Directors in Dialogue. For more information on the Screen Directors Guild of Ireland, visit us at www.sdgi.ie.